Welcome to Catholic Vitamins, your dose of spiritual supplements from A to Z. Catholic Vitamins, specially formulated to help you achieve optimum spiritual health. It's time to energize your faith, forget what lies behind, and press on toward the goal. We've already won. Look at how far we've come. Let's fully embrace the change that has taken place. Here are your hosts for Catholic Vitamins, Deacon Tom Fox and his lovely wife, Dee. Hi, everyone. It's the Deacon. And the Dee. Hi, two of us with Ds. D, I thought you had retired. What are you doing here? I thought you had retired. I know. Well, That's a sore subject in this house, isn't it? (laughs) No, it's not sore. (laughs) It's just a subject for conversation every once in a while. Hey, we haven't been been in these hot seats for almost a year. I know. (laughs) Welcome to Catholic Vitamins with uh, Deacon Tom and D. We're uh, glad and blessed to be with you. And uh, this is Catholic Vitamin A for Arise. We're arising out of the ashes, <laughs> and um, we have a special format for this show. It's going to be a little different than the shows we've done in the past. What we said when we did our previous show was we were going to stop posting regularly, right? Right. right. And uh, what that we would post when we found someone new to interview that we thought was really worth sharing in the format of Catholic Vitamins. And you must have found somebody, because here we are. I did, I did. Her name is Maggie Craig, and we'll tell you about her in a minute. She's a a wonderful guest. And then we have pulled from our library. Our vault. Our vault, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Previous interviews, somebody that I think goes really along with the inspiration of Maggie Craig, and this is the uh, inspiration of Tony Agnesi. Oh, I like Tony. I know you do, dear. I know you do. We, uh, we're blessed to have Tony Agnese, not just as a friend on the Internet, as we have made so many friends on the Internet, but also a friend right here in Payson, Arizona. Right. We actually had him come to our town, do a talk for our church. It was really great. So uh, I want to say a word. We're into Lent now, and uh, we are beginning to find our way through this Lenten journey. I have... Uh, made some plans to do a few things for Lent that I want to share. I uh, <clears throat> don't know where this came from, but I remember that there are 150 psalms in the Bible, and there are about 46 days in Lent, including Sundays, although Sunday technically is a day off from Lent. But I'm thinking about doing a, a reading and trying to meditate on three psalms a day during Lent. I don't know where that idea came from, but it has knocked on my door a couple times, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to do an hour of adoration each week before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And I might also say that we're going to try, I'm going to try to do the Stations of the Cross at our parish. They're doing those on Friday, D. Yeah, we usually do those, so. And uh, we're also having a Lenten soup supper. Right. And finally, I'm going to try to do a really, really good confession. And I heard a young couple yesterday uh, that we were with say that they like doing confession pilgrimages. Can you get the idea of what they're doing? Oh, yeah, going going to different churches. Yeah. Going going around different towns and different churches. Yeah. 
our uh, pastor in our parish here in Arizona knows me pretty well, um, but it's always nice to have someone else uh, share their thoughts and guidance. So I'm thinking about doing a, a little confession pilgrimage during Lent myself. Do you have any words to say about Lent for you, Dee? Well, as you know, a few ladies and I are start going to start a small study group. Spirituality group? We, we actually were going to start last week, but we postponed it because we got snow. And... Uh, so that, that'll be part of my Lenten journey, will be the start of the study group, and, and we'll be into the Bible with that, so that will be a big help. And uh, you mentioned adoration time. I want to try to do more adoration than, than I have been normally, try to push myself to go more often during Lent, spend more time during Lent. That's a good idea, good idea for Lent. And I've been trying to decide how to drop... My <laughs> my gaming. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. I want I want to pull back from my word games and things I do on my computer. Do you realize that the stock value of uh, YouTube or whatever you do is going to go down? Facebook or whatever it is. That, all right. Well, dear friends, we're Catholic. We're proud of it. We're happy to have you with us on sort of a uh, resurrection version of Catholic Vitamins. I'd like now to introduce um, a few words about our guest, our special guest, Maggie Craig. She is uh, said to be an exceptional storyteller, just like Tony Agnesi, which is why I paired the two of them. She's an evangelist. She's a graduate of uh, Franciscan University. She graduated with an MA in theology. She uh, graduated cum laude. And uh, she also has a B.A. in catechetics. She is said to have a, a good sense of humor when she's on stage talking with uh, people at either a conference or an event that she's at. Um, she's uh, dynamic. She has a great deal of authenticity. People say they really believe her, that she shares from the heart. And she was born in the 90s, so she's a lot younger than we are. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, dear friends, this is uh, our step of uh, bringing back Catholic vitamins from time to time, and we're so happy to do it with Maggie Craig, who will be our guest next up. Next up on Catholic Vitamins, <clears throat> I'm with a young lady that I had a dress rehearsal with a few days ago. It didn't work out so well, and so we're back together again. But in the dress rehearsal, I told her that I had a spiritual crush on her, and because she radiates joy and happiness, and I believe she radiates the love of Christ in her life. Our guest today on Catholic Vitamins is Maggie Craig. <clears throat> she is... A lady filled with uh, humor, personal stories to share. She's dynamic, authentic. She uh, speaks to parishes, schools, youth groups, and colleges. 
Maggie, round two, welcome to Catholic Vitamins. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Amen. Amen. Me too, especially. Well, uh, Maggie, um, you're probably a new um, name to most all of our listeners. Maybe some might hear us streaming on the web and know of you, but for our local community here, or for the listeners that have listened to Catholic Vitamins in the past, you may be a new name. Let's start with um, your childhood. What was it like when you were young and growing up? Yes, I love to talk about my childhood. Uh, the Lord has blessed me so much through the gifts of my family. Uh, praise be to Jesus Christ. I've received great Catholic education, and I've gone to a great parish, but none of those could ever replace the gift of my family. I have an older sister and, and two parents who are deeply in love, and they love each other, and they love me and my sister. Uh, my parents uh, were Catholic. My mother converted um, to Catholicism to marry my father, and she's now such a dynamic Catholic. She's obsessed with everything Catholicism, and uh, she, she loved Jesus as a Protestant, and it's just really grown through her conversion to Catholicism. Uh, so because of that, I don't think I was raised super Catholic. Like, I didn't know a ton about the saints. I didn't know a ton about Mary. We always went to church. But I was just raised with this, such a foundation of, like, loving God, God loving us, going to church, loving your neighbor. It wasn't until I was a little bit older that I really started to fall in love with, with the church and Catholicism, which is the body of Christ. But I had a wonderful childhood. I was always outside playing. My parents were very active, and so were we, playing sports. We would ride our bikes to church uh, throughout the summer. Uh, my mom worked out of the house, and my dad was a stay-at-home dad, so my parents were always around. Uh, maybe they weren't always available. My mom would have phone calls. I didn't understand why she had to ignore me to take her business calls. <laughs> but my parents were always around, and yeah, we were always reading and praying and talking, and I just I'm so thankful for the gift of my family. I grew up in New Jersey, and then I was raised in Ohio. So outside of Cleveland, that's where my family lived uh, throughout middle school and, and high school for me. So my family is a huge gift. They all now live in Denver, and I live in Los Angeles, but we talk to each other every day. <laughs> I talk to my mom, my dad, and my sister uh, every single day. And, yeah, the gift of my family is something I'll never be able to understand on this side of eternity. So Amen. Super thankful Amen. For that. Boy, does that sound idyllic and beautiful. Um, yes, I'm what, spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> what, what led from New Jersey to Ohio? It's just a job. My mom is a businesswoman, and uh, they wanted to get out of New Jersey. You know, there's there's crazy car uh, people drove with a lot of attitude, so they were looking to get out of there. So my mom worked for Little Tykes, and so Little Tykes was based outside of Cleveland. So uh, we we moved from New Jersey to uh, to Cleveland, and, that, and that's where we were until I was in college, and then and then another job took my family out to Colorado. But yeah, we loved it. It was it was great. If you promise not to tell my wife. Uh, my first girlfriend ever, serious girlfriend, was from Akron, Barberton area. Oh, I went to high school in Akron. Did, did That's you? so funny. <laughs> Do you remember where she went to high school? I don't. I don't. No, no. It's prob- That's okay. Probably a few. We don't need uh, to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so let's take on the uh, the teen years. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Young people may be in love with the faith, but 
teen years can be a struggle because of all the influences. How was it for you? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had my own struggles, but I was I was protected through the gift of my family. So I was, was really into athletics. When I was in high school, I was always on travel teams and travel leagues. But whenever we would go spend the night somewhere, my parents, we would always spend the night as a family in the hotel. And I would never be just with the team. And at first, that frustrated me. I felt isolated. But then I realized later, that was such a gift. that <laughs> My family was, was always protecting me. Um yeah, so I think in high school, that's where I started just to have general questions about the faith, as a lot of young people do. You start to ask, well, why do we actually do this? Or why do we actually believe this? Or, or why is this sin bad when it feels good or it looks cool? I didn't have a a big rebellion stage, but I really I started to ask questions. And thanks be to God, my, my church had an amazing youth group. Speaking Tom, I have, I have traveled the country. I have not met a youth group like my youth group in in uh, Ohio St. Mary's Parish. They produced seven priests in seven mm. years. Wow. They they it's just a beautiful youth group. So I started getting involved in that youth group because my friends were there were cute boys there. They had food and sports, and then the Lord won me over. So I started having questions about about the Bible. I started to have questions about church teaching, and I would go to these, and they would be answered. <laughs> I would have youth ministers and seminarians and parents and, and people helping me with my questions. And I realized this stuff, this makes sense. That didn't mean that I never struggled with sin. I certainly had sin. I, I needed to go to reconciliation a lot. But I didn't have a giant rebellion stage because all those answers that I had that would push me towards rebellion were answered. I had my family and, and then I had my youth group. So it was mostly an internal rebellion with, with sin as we, as we all do, you know, we're always in rebellion through sin, but I fell in love with reconciliation. I fell in love with adoration and that kept me close to Jesus throughout my high school years. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Um, so that's a, sort of an overview of the um, high school years. Sounds again very idyllic, and gosh, mm-hmm. what a great parish! Um, yeah, it, it sounds like you were blessed to be in. <clears throat> so, what about college? How did you arrive at a college decision? College again, very blessed. <laughs> the Lord has been; He has been guiding me. His hand has been protecting me. So, I played basketball all throughout high school, and I was planning on playing in college when I had a serious injury. I had a, a concussion, uh, actually one of several. And that sort of discouraged me from playing at a more competitive level at different colleges. So I stopped looking at schools based on basketball, and I started looking at them for other reasons. My older sister went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, which was about two hours away from our house. And I heard great things about it through my parish. Uh, we, as a youth group, we, would, we went there for like a Matt Marr concert. So I've been like familiar with the, uh, the environment. So I, I visited my older sister when I was still in high school, while she was at Franciscan, and I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> we went to praise and worship, and then we went to IHOP. And I was like, this is my kind of party, Cards <laughs> and Jesus Christ. Like, I love this. So I decided to go to Franciscan. I wasn't going to study theology. I was going to study English because I love telling stories. But I just realized it seemed like a really positive environment, and, and I wanted to go there. So I did. And it was, it was, it was the best decision I've ever made. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I kind of was just like a clueless high schooler. I was like, this seems cool. And it was, 
was the best decision I ever made. I I had fallen in love with Jesus through my youth group, but going to Franciscan University, I fell in love really with the church, with the body of Christ, with what it means to belong to the body of Christ, this 2,000-plus year institution, this thing that makes saints. So I, I fell in love with it. I It was the thing at Franciscan. You would meet your friends for noon mass, and then you would go to lunch. And then you go to lunch together, and then dinner, you would go to dinner together, then afterwards you would pray a rosary walking around campus. Or I joined an ultimate frisbee league with my Bible study on campus. If Jesus was just the focus of campus, and everything out, like school and friendships and athletics were all focused around this, and I just ate it up. I love. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I didn't know how to pray rosary until my sophomore year. I didn't know even, like, the creed, really. I just felt like such a baby in the faith. But I was surrounded by people who wanted to encourage that, and I just, I just ate it up. I felt so happy. I felt so joyful. Of course, I had my struggles as a human being, but I was in such a place. So between my family, between my high school, and between my college, I joke with my friends, Dick and Tom, like, to whom shall we go? Like, I can't leave Catholicism at this point. I know too much. I've encountered the Lord too much. I know that grace and joy comes from Him alone, and I've been so blessed to know that. So I know that anything else apart from God is, is a lie. I know too much to leave, which is such a blessing, but also a big responsibility. So. <laughs> uh, I think he's given me a lot. So to whom much is given, he expects a lot from me. Maggie, uh, in our setup emails, I may have told you this or said it to you when we had talked earlier and that I've been to Franciscan, excuse my voice, for uh, Mm -hmm. something like 14 years, 14 summers. It's likely that we passed each other on the... uh, I'm sure we have. (laughs) On the campus. So I'm going to tell you, that the program that you're on now, Catholic Vitamins, has had uh, Bob Rice on three or four mm-hmm. times. We've had Doctor Rice. Yeah, Love we've him. had Doctor John Bergsma three or four times. Oh, yeah. um, Father Pavanka two times. So those are names <laughs> that would be familiar to Fantastic you. Fantastic men. I had Bergsma. I took four of his classes. I think I took two of Bob Rice's. Love, yeah, those men have really formed my deep love of, of Scripture and love of Jesus Christ. So I am, I am blessed in company. Amen, amen. So tell me about the development of your attitude through the years of Franciscan about what you wanted to do when you graduated. Did, did they evolve and change? Sure. Yeah, so I, I first was an English major. My dad is, is a writer. He, he's, a, he's a journalist, so I, I knew that that was a possibility. I love stories. Uh, every summer in college, I started working at this great place called Life Teen Summer Camps out in Georgia. I worked with Life Teen Camp Cocrest at their, their adventure summer camps every summer as a camp counselor. And those camps, oh, man. They were amazing. You would go whitewater rafting, and you would do high rope course, and you would do canoeing, and then you would have adoration, and you would have math, and you would have talks and small groups, and I just loved that. After my first summer working there, I was like, what am I doing? I need to study theology. I love this too much. I love ministry too much. Uh, so I was English and theology for a while, and then... Um, and then my third summer working with Life Team, they, they asked if I would want to give like a 15-minute women's talk to the middle schoolers. And I said, perfect. 
One of my assignments this whole past year in class in my catechetics class was to put together a women's session. I have it ready to go. Like, let's do it. And it went really, really well. I gave it uh, 14 times that summer to to thousands of kids who come to that camp. And then when I went back to campus to continue my studies, people started emailing me, youth ministers and DREs who I didn't even remember meeting from that summer. They reached out to me and they said, hey, we heard you talk this summer. Do you want to come to Tampa? Do you want to come to Houston and give that talk? And I said, sure. You don't have to pay me. This sounds like a party. (laughs) Uh, So I... In college, as I'm studying theology and through the exposure through lesson summer camps, I started traveling, I started speaking. Uh, my final summer working at Life Team summer camps, I worked at the high school camp, and they, they asked me to give another women's session, and that was, that was just incredible. It was, it was so fantastic. I met thousands of more people, really fell in love with the idea of speaking, and it really started to cross my mind. Maybe this is something that I, that I have a talent for that the Lord is providing for me. So, then at this point, uh, I decided to get my master's in theology. The idea of stories through English, I still love. As a speaker, I love to tell stories, but I, it was starting to move explicitly towards theology. So then I got my master's in theology at Franciscan. And then at that point, I had been traveling two, three weekends a month uh, just around the country to speak. Just people had heard of me. I'd gotten exposure and then by the time I graduated from Franciscan, I had a, an undergrad and a master's degree in theology. I was like, I think the Lord is opening doors for me. I think I can do this. And then I've been speaking full time ever since. And it's been about five years. I'm actually in Mobile, Alabama right now. I'm about to do a day office at youth conference. And <laughs> this is never the career that I thought the Lord would have for me. But now looking back, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's far better than anything I could have planned for myself. Amen. Amen. Isn't that the way of the Lord? I mean, just... Isn't it? <laughs> it's so true. Oh, so beautiful. So, it's so true. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, um, let me ask about the sorts of talks that you do, um, maybe categories or approaches to the people that you're speaking to. Sure. Well, if anyone wants more information on me, they can always check out my website, maggie-craig.com. But I primarily speak to youth and young adults, but really I'll speak to anyone who will listen and even those who won't. And and I, I'm not one of those speakers that like just gives a chastity talk or just gives a women's talk. Like God bless those speakers who just do that. I never could. I, I, I speak on so many different topics and that keeps it fresh and energetic for me. Because if I tell the same stories every day, I get really sick of myself. So I have a variety of talks, but they really all come down to getting people excited about the reality of Jesus. You know, uh, we are so blessed by our faith in Jesus Christ, and so many people take it for granted, and they just, they're spiritual slugs, and they're spiritual zombies oozing through the motions. And I like to come to parishes and just wake people up, wake people up to the reality that God is real, He loves you. You can have a relationship with Christ in his church. And if you do, that will bring you the greatest possible joy. Here's how you do that, forming a prayer life, falling in love with the sacraments. So my six or seven talks, they're basically all that with, with different stories in between. So uh, I, I have been told I am rather humorous. So <laughs> I, I like to connect with the youth through humor and telling embarrassing stories. So last night I spoke to a, a high school youth group in Alabama and I told them about 
my first crush when I was in preschool at Kid Connection Preschool in New Jersey, you know, and they just loved that because it's, it's personal stories and, and then telling other stories about the world and relating them to the faith. Like Jesus loved stories. Jesus loved a parable. <laughs> if you open the Gospels, he is always telling a parable because he knows stories have the power to connect people. So I don't consider myself a lecturer at all. I really consider myself a storyteller who's in love with Jesus. So I have a story to tell my own story, the story of Jesus Christ, and that's the same story as the people that I'm speaking to. So try to keep it light, try to keep it funny, try to keep it dynamic, and then lead people to the truth that Jesus alone satisfies. What a beautiful ministry you have. Um, I know from trying to have us connect that it's been hard finding a time that you're available um, how, yeah. how busy do you stay? Well, you know, COVID changed things a lot, but I am now fully back in the swing of things. I travel full time, so I'll be home for about three or four days for the month of February. Uh, it, it's very seasonal. So, uh, so like in, in, in May, I'm not working that much. I'm only gone for one weekend or uh, or September. I'm only working one or two weekends. But the rest of the time, it, it's pretty... It's pretty working straight, nonstop, and thanks be to God, I'm young, I don't have children waiting at home for me, so I can just jet set around the country and have a blast with it, so please pray for my energy and my health. Amen. Thanks be to God, those are, those are, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, but can be exhausting, but you know, the Lord, the Lord gives me strength, and I know this is something he's calling me to, uh, will it be for the rest of my life? Who knows? <laughs> but I'm just really enjoying it while I can and taking every opportunity I can to spread the gospel. Do you have any desire to do any writing? I'd love to, yeah. So I'm, I'm an English major. Uh, I have a blog. Uh, I update that. I, that's one of the things that if the Lord opens, I told the Lord, I'm like, if this is a door you want me to go through, you have to open it. Uh, I I need I need the help. I need you to present itself with an opportunity. So I have an active YouTube channel. I post that all the time and I have a blog, but I would love to write, but that's like the Lord needs to make that clear uh, how that is supposed to happen. I definitely have things to say and, and that's something in the future I'd love to do. Yeah. It seems to me that there's some young person who is locked away for a weekend and the only thing they can find to read to read is your book and that you would be able to speak to them. So I'll plant the seed. Thank you. Yeah. So any, uh, any travels through Arizona in the coming? You know, I have, that is one of the states I've never spoken at. I, I traveled there when I was a little kid, but I haven't spoken in New Mexico or Arizona or in that area, but I would love to, I, anywhere that, the Lord calls me to, or people invite me to, I'd love to go, but nothing in the calendar in Arizona quite yet, but we can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have you on, excuse me, our local Catholic radio station, as well as on the web. And we always believe that the Lord finds an ear that needs to hear a program. Amen. Yeah. Amen. He does that for sure. Well, give all of your connectivity information once again. Yes. So my name is Maggie Craig. I run Maggie Craig Ministries. I'm all over the internet. You could just Google me. You could just type in Maggie Craig. 
If you do that, you'll find my website, maggie-craig.com. You can type me in YouTube. I have an active YouTube channel. You could look me up on Instagram, Maggie Craig Ministries. And for the young people in your life, I do have a TikTok, which is a video service. Um, I also do have a Facebook. If you, if you just look up Maggie Craig, you will find me, and I will be happy to connect with anyone. What a joy it's been to have you on Catholic Vitamins. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to stay in touch. <clears throat> and I thank you so much for making time for our listeners. Of course. Thank you so much, Deacon Tom. It's been a blessing. Bless you, dear. Next up, Tony Agnesi. Next up on Catholic Vitamins, a real treat, a joy, and an honor for Catholic Vitamins. I'm on with Tony Agnesi, a Midwest storyteller, a Catholic gentleman, a longtime radio participant, and I just know that we're going to enjoy our time with Tony today. Tony, welcome to Catholic Vitamins. Deacon Tom, it's a pleasure being with you. I'm, I'm excited to be joining you. Thank you, thank you. And it, it's we've just got so much ground that we could cover. I hope we can put this all in the time we've allocated. How about uh, your childhood growing up? What was faith like and what was your family like? Well, it's kind of interesting because I was uh, back, uh, I was born in 1949, and in the 50s, we had what we called mixed marriages. My mom was a devout Catholic. Uh, I mean, the type that uh, was at the church almost every day, washing the linens, polishing the brass on the candlesticks, and she was uh, very, very involved uh, and a very, um, a very strong Catholic. My dad was Italian Methodist. Oh now, go figure. When you think when you think of the word Italian, you automatically assume Catholic. But he was Italian Methodist, and there was a small Italian Methodist church in our in our little town. And uh, you know, it was kind of interesting, uh, Deacon Tom, because. My dad, when uh, he and my mom married, they agreed that the kids would be raised Catholic, and he, he took that he took that promise to my mother very very seriously. And um, for a number of years, our little our little small parish, we would go to eight thirty mass, and while we were at mass, my dad would drive across town to St. Dominic's and pick up two Dominican sisters who would teach our. CCD, our Sunday school class, and then uh, we would have the uh, CCD classes, and then he would drive the uh, sisters back to St. Dominic's, drop my sister and I off at home, and then he would go to his own church service at his little Italian Methodist church. The interesting thing about that is he did that for 15 years, every Sunday during the school year when we had those classes. You know what my dad taught me in that, Deacon Tom, was faithfulness. Amen. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful uh, to the promise he made when uh, he and my mom married that, uh, that we would be 
raised Catholics. He saw to it that that happened, but he was also faithful to his own faith tradition and faithful to his own uh, his own family upbringing and, and culture. So uh, uh, he taught me a lot about faithfulness, uh, and my mom taught me taught me my my faith. Uh, you know, uh, I wrote a piece about uh, ten years ago called "Church." My mom made me go, and um, one of the things I did when my mom passed away is one of the first things that I thought in my mind was, thank you, Mom, for all that you've given me and making me go, because it's been my Catholic faith, the Deacon Tom, that sustained me through cancer, that sustained me through hepatitis C and pneumonia. Um, it's my faith that's kept my marriage strong for 47 years, and uh, it's what guides me on a day-to-day basis. Uh, my faith and uh, the reception of daily Eucharist are two things that uh, that are very, very important in my life. Oh, how tender, how, how beautiful um, and inspiring. Tony, uh, just so we move along a little bit, uh, what were your, uh, like your teen, young adult years like and uh, and going to college? Well, I was I was kind of a I, I, you know I was, I'm a storyteller. I think you introduced me that way. And my grandmother was a storyteller. My mom was a storyteller. And I've always been a storyteller, kind of a cut up in high school, kind of the class clown, and so forth. And I never kind of viewed myself as a, as a writer. Um, and so what, what happened? I went off to college and I wrote my first English paper, and uh, it came back with more red ink than black ink and a great big F at the top of the page. And the professor. And the professor wrote this note. She says, you'll never write above a fifth grade level. And boy, did that really set me back a bit. Mm. I uh, did not have a good. I did not have a good time in college. I had a one point nine grade point average. Oh I took basket weaving and two gym classes in order to graduate. And um, uh, in um, you know 2012, I decided I wanted to write down some of these stories. People had been encouraging me, Tony. You have all these great stories to tell. You need to write them down. So I, I wrote a, a few stories, and I shared them with a retired uh, uh, English professor who uh, goes to daily, who I go to daily mass with. And I said, would you read these? And she said, sure. And she read them. And I said, what'd you think? And she says, oh, Tony, these are great stories. I says, well, that's not important. What's important is what level do I write at? And she said, about sixth grade. <laughs> so in 50 years, Deacon Tom, I'm up a grade. <laughs> but both my first two books, my first two books, A Storyteller's Guide to a Grace-Filled Life and A Story Storyteller's Guide to Joyful Service had both been on the inspirational bestseller list. And when they made the bestseller list, I autographed copies of them and sent them to that professor from back uh, years and years ago. You know, that first book, Deacon Tom, A Storyteller's Guide to a Grace-Filled Life. Now, who wouldn't want a grace-filled life, right? A life filled with grace. Um, it... Um, comes to us, you know, God's grace is, is everywhere. It's infinite. All we have to do is ask for it, and His grace is poured down on us. And be open uh, to His grace. Uh, my second book's called uh, A Storyteller's Guide to Joyful Service. And people uh, have a hard time separating happiness from joy. You know, I've been happy that the Cleveland Browns are playing better football, but I was sad that they lost yesterday to Los Angeles. So happy and sad happens many times during the course of a day, but joy comes from our Lord. Joy comes from our, 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 our serving others in that joy. In uh, John fifteen eleven. 
it says that I, I tell you this that your that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That your joy might be complete. And I think that joy comes from serving others. As a matter of fact, I, I all of what I've written here in the last six or seven years, my third book just came out the Monday before last. And in all of the books, we talk about serving others. And um, you know, it starts every day. Uh, can I share a little prayer that I? pray every day absolutely absolutely please Uh, every morning as i walk back from receiving the eucharist i say this little prayer lord make me an instrument put somebody in my path today that you can help through me and then i just put up my antenna i say lord use my hands you know my eyes my ears but you put someone in my path today that you can help through me i tell people don't pray that pray that unless you mean it, because it works 100% of the time. You pray that prayer, and the Lord will put somebody in your life that day to help. And he does it uh, through the Holy Spirit with these little nudges and bumps. And, you know, when I say that, people who are listening think about this. Did you ever get a nudge to call someone? And what do most people do, Deacon Tom, when they get that nudge? You know what they do? They do nothing. They do nothing. But if you follow through on that nudge from the Holy Spirit, what's the person on the other end of the phone usually say when you call them? I'm so glad you called. Boy, I'm so glad you called. Gosh, I was just thinking of you. You know, I was having a problem today, and I really needed someone to talk to. See, the Holy Spirit gives us these nudges and bumps, but oftentimes we we just ignore them, and, and we don't take up on them. You know, years ago, 28 years ago, uh, I read in a church bulletin that the local pregnancy center was out of infant formula. They had absolutely no infant formula. I had a lot of of, uh, of women, young women who were clients that needed formula. So I had a little uh, check from the speech that I had given, and I told my wife, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy infant formula. And so uh, infant formula back at the time was, was liquid. It was in pans. Uh, and I remembered Similac with iron from when my kids were low. So I had enough money to buy five cases. I I went to the store, and there were four cases of Similac, and I put them in the cart, and I asked the stock clerk if they had any others, and he went in the back room, and he came back five minutes later, but he didn't have Similac, but he had another infant formula called Infamil. Now, I had never heard of that one, but I said, okay, and I put that in the cart. I went to this little pregnancy center, which was located in a tiny little house in a real blue-collar neighborhood, and I went up to the back door and knocked on the door, and an elderly volunteer came to the door. She said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I have some infant formula. So I carried two cases of the Similac into the back door, and there was a little tiny kitchen there with a little table, and I set the uh, Similac down on the table. And as I looked through the archway into what would have been the dining room, it was the executive director's office, and she had a woman that she was talking to, a young woman. She looked at me and smiled. I looked back at her and smiled, went back, got two more cases of Similac, brought them in. She looked at me and smiled, and I smiled back at her. And then I went out and I brought in the case of Infamil. And as I walked into the kitchen, she looked at me. She stood straight up from her desk, walked over, and said, is that Infamil? And I said, yes, it is. And she says, the woman at my desk, her baby can only have Infamil. Would you mind carrying that to her car? And I said, of course, I would. it would be my pleasure. And as I turned, Deacon 
Tom to walk to my car, I heard her say to the young girl, problem solved, an angel has just dropped off some infamil. Now, Deacon Tom, you don't know me that well, but I've been called a lot of things that we couldn't say on the radio, but <laughs> angel has never been one of them. And I've been working with that pregnancy center now for 28 years. I do all of their strategic planning. Three years ago, we moved into a brand new 5,000 square foot facility on the bus line. Two years ago, we added free ultrasound to any young woman that needed an ultrasound. This year, we added a men's ministry called First in Ten, and we do uh, fatherhood classes called Steadfast Fathers for guys coming out of jail or, or, or former uh, drug addicts and so forth who want to get back and see their kids and be part of their kids' lives. And I've had the pleasure, the, the honor, if you will, uh, of being able to speak to these groups. So that's how things happen. If you just put up your antenna and say, Lord, make me an instrument, put somebody in my life today that you can help through me, and then be open to those nudges and bumps that we get from the Holy Spirit to, to step out. And they can be they can be small. Call someone. You know, I, I, I'll, you'll see somebody at the grocery store, and, and you'll say, oh, something must be wrong. Uh, they're, they're losing their hair. Or they've lost weight. Maybe they have a cancer problem, something. Most people will go on, go down the next aisle and avoid that person. But what if you went up to that person and talked to that person? Oftentimes that person will say to me, Tony, would you pray for me? And I used to keep a list, even though I still do, have a list of names of people I pray for. I have it by my bedside when I say the office. And what I found was is they don't want you to pray for them when you get home tonight. They want you to pray for them right then and there. So what I do now right in the middle of the grocery store in front of the frozen food aisle is I will join hands, put my hand on their shoulder, and pray for them on the spot, praying for them right now. Mm, oh, beautiful. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, dear friends, listeners to... Uh Catholic Vitamins, whether you're listening on the World Wide Web or listening on our local Catholic radio station, you now know why it has been uh, something I've really been looking forward to, a chance to spend time with Tony Agnesi, a uh, Catholic uh, Midwest storyteller whose uh, work actually resounds around the world. And uh, one of the ways that he does that is with his podcast. We're going to take a uh, kind of a little detour in our interview. Uh, Tony, uh, we talked about a couple different possibilities, but I'm uh, looking at one of your podcasts that you did on your show, and it's called 30 Days to Live. Just give us a bit of a setup, and then we'll play that. You know, that it just begs the question, you know, what I try to do with my short podcast called Five Minutes with Tony, I try, I try to ask a question that someone... Uh, it will have some ability to reflect on, and that's really what I try to do with this. And in this particular one, we ask the question, what if you had 30 days to live? All right. Well, let's take a break, dear listeners, and here is Tony with his 30 Days to Live podcast. We'll be back on the other side. What if you only had one month to live? Hi, this is Tony Agnesi. What would you do if the doctor said, get your affairs in order in the next 30 days. How would you live your life if you knew with certainty that your days on earth were numbered? Would you do anything differently? Would you make some changes in the way you are currently living your life? Would you spend more time with your kids and really listen when they talk with you? 
Would you look at your spouse the same way you did when you were dating? Would you stop to smell the roses, take in a sunset, or enjoy the sounds of nature? Would you call an old friend that you haven't seen in years? And what about your faith? Would you pray more, attend Mass more frequently, be grateful for little things, and be more forgiving of those that have hurt you in the past? Important questions, right? But rarely do we ever take the time to think about these questions. We live as if there is no running clock, as if we'll be on earth forever. Questions to be put off for a later time, when we're older, when old age brings us closer to that certainty of death. Occasionally, these are questions to be dealt with now. Things like cancer diagnoses, a bad automobile accident, or a bad fall on the ice can force us to ask these questions immediately. I can remember vividly how my focus changed when I was diagnosed with colon cancer nine years ago. I was going about living my life with a soft focus filter on. Everything was pleasantly moving along. That cancer diagnosis brought everything into focus. It's a sharp, clear focus where things that I never thought about suddenly became important. And like many others before me, I began to ask these tough questions about change, about priorities, and about what really is important. I learned that our time here on earth is short. We weren't made for this life, but for the next. We were made for eternal life, for heaven. If you're honest with yourself and ask these questions, you'll be making some changes. You will do things differently, and you will become a better person. As a matter of fact, you will become the most authentic version of yourself. Your spouse will notice the changes, so will your kids, your friends, and everyone around you. You will become the you that God intended you to be. Last week, nine years later, I had a biopsy for possible prostate cancer. And the biopsy forced me to ask these questions once again. The possibility of a new cancer made me ask the question, what if? This week, I got the results. There was no cancer. I'm 100% cancer-free. It was a scare for sure, but a bad thing? No. Occasionally, God's got to take some drastic actions to get our attention. I praise God and thank him for this blessing, and I thank the many people who kept me in their prayers those past few weeks. The next chance you get, take some time to ask, what if I only had 30 days to live? Then, have the courage to make the changes necessary to become the most authentic you that you can be. It's the you God intended. This is Tony Agnesi. Well, here we are back with Tony Agnesi. We have ground to cover and so many wonderful things we could be uh, talking about. Uh I know that we've already sort of left college and got into your storytelling abilities and the things that you're doing, your books and podcasts. And you told me a little while ago that you have a 30-minute uh, program, 28-minute program that you do. Um, right after college, 
what was it that you started doing? How did you work your way into this part of your your journey? Well, I've always been a, I've always been a storyteller, and it was kind of natural for me to go into radio. And uh, I went into radio at age fifteen, so I've been fifty three years this fall. I will have been in radio, and, and I started on the air as a disc jockey, and later. Uh, became a talk show host, and uh, and uh, for the last thirty plus years, I've been in uh, radio station ownership and management, and I uh, am currently the senior vice president of a radio group here in Ohio that has stations in uh, Cleveland and Akron. So I've always uh, you know been on the radio, and that's where kind of the the storytelling uh, really uh, took off. And uh, the interesting thing about the talk show that I did is we talked a lot about social and moral issues, and we talked an awful lot about, you know, the, the, the things you don't talk about on the radio, like religion and spirituality and so forth. And so uh, these areas have always been something that I've talked about, parenthood, fatherhood, um, and so forth. And so it's just been a natural extension for me uh, as I get older here and uh, uh, is, is to uh, take on some ministries that, uh, that really have been guided by following the nudges and bumps of the Holy Spirit. Um, and one of them is working uh, with the homeless. And I, I'll share a story with you, uh, Deacon Tom. I was in Nashville at a radio convention. that's called the Country Radio Seminar. It happens every year. And, and I was going to check my email one morning, and, and, and the hotel wanted like fifteen ninety five for Internet access. And I wasn't going to pay that when the Panera down the street has free, free Internet access. So I got up and got dressed, and I left the hotel about 7 a.m., and I'm walking down the street to the Panera. And the only other person on the street was a woman on the opposite side of the street, and you could almost tell immediately that she was homeless. And she yelled, sir, sir, and I really just ignored her. I kept looking at the Panera and kept walking. And again, sir, sir. And again, I I just uh, looked straight ahead at the Panera. And finally, the third time, sir, sir, she was standing right next to me. And I said, yes. And she goes, what time is it? And I said, it's 7 o'clock. And uh, then she said, uh, um, you um, you know, I'm from Bristol. You know, the place by the racetrack. And I've been in Nashville now for six months, and there's no work here, and I'm homeless. And uh, she began her story. And as I walked, I engaged in conversation while never taking my eyes off the Panera. I said, well, you know, do you know where the nearest shelter is? Do you know where the nearest food service is or the nearest food pantry is? I asked her all the right questions, but I never never did anything but gaze at the Panera. And when we got to the Panera, I reached into my pocket and gave her $20, and I walked into the Panera. And as I got into the Panera, I turned and looked out the window, and the words of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now St. Mother Teresa, rang through my head. You know, she used to see the face of Jesus, she said, in everyone she meets. And she had this line that I remembered, minister to the Jesus in front of you. Minister to the Jesus in front of you. And I looked out at this poor woman, and I said, you know, I gave this woman a $20, but I I did not give her what I needed to give her, and that was my time and my attention to look her in the eye, to ask her name, to treat her like a daughter of the Most High God, to treat her like a son and daughter of Jesus Christ and, 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 and a holy priesthood and so forth. I, I denied her that. And, you know, that's the last time I've ever ignored a homeless person. And I've had the opportunity to work with homeless people uh, ever since. 
And, you know, Deacon Tom, this idea of ministering to the Jesus in front of you is something that we should all think about. You know, that person that we confront at the grocery store, that, that, that person that, that stops us on the street, we've got to look them in the eye. We've got to say hello. We've got to bring Jesus to them. And that was the lesson that I, I learned from that particular, uh, you know, experience with homelessness and um, and and it and it has stayed with me. It has stayed with me all of these years, uh, ministering to the Jesus in front of you. You know, I had uh, cancer uh, fifteen years now. I've been cancer free. I had colon cancer. I had two feet of my colon removed, and by the grace of God, I'm cancer free fifteen years later. And as a result of that cancer surgery and so forth, I developed hepatitis C. That's a that's the disease that attacks the liver that is associated with intravenous drug use and so forth. And and um, um, I um, was you know my family doctor happened to be a friend of mine. One of the people he went to med school with was one of the best Hep C doctors in the country up in Cleveland. And I went to him and they did some testing. One of the tests they do is called gene testing, genotype. And they found that my particular gene type and the drugs that were available at the time um, were the least effective on my gene type. So uh, only about a 20% chance of success, a year of chemotherapy, interferon, and so forth. And I asked him, what should I do? And he said, I would wait. There's some new drugs on the horizon. Maybe something will come along. And uh, a couple of years later, in 2015, if you remember on television, the commercials for a product called Parvoni, which was a, a cure for hepatitis C that was made for my particular gene type. And so I went to him again, and, and I was the perfect candidate for Harvoni. And through my insurance company, we applied for Harvoni, and I was immediately turned down. And we applied a second time, and I was turned down. And we applied a third time, and I was turned down. And one of the women in his office was bound to determine that she was going to get this done. We did some additional tests, and we did some additional questionnaires and so forth, and we submitted for a fourth time. And on January 2nd of 2016, I received in the mail a notice that I was accepted for Harvoni. Now, the interesting thing is Harvoni cost $93,000, $93,000. You take a pill a day every day for 12 weeks. It's $1,100 for each of those pills that you take in the morning. They were going to pay uh, 80%, so I was on the hook for $18,000. The same girl called me up from his office and said, hey, they're doing a trial at the drug company, you might qualify. Here's a number of a woman there. I called, I did qualify, and they paid everything, everything, except $38. And uh, uh, Deacon Tom, that was the fastest $38 check I ever wrote in my life. <laughs> and I took, I took the Harvoni every day for 12 weeks. I did some blood work, and I uh, was going to that hep C doctor to see what the verdict was. And I drove up to Lakewood or uh, Westlake, Ohio, uh, and I, you know, they put you in that little room, and I'm waiting for them to come in, and I'm praying my rosary, Lord, you know, whatever you, whatever it is, uh, I'll accept it, you know, putting this in your hands. And he finally walks into the room, and he didn't have much of a bedside manner, as a matter of fact, very little. And he leaned up against the counter, and he said, Tony, you're busy, and I'm busy, you're cured. And then he left. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I sat there in the room with tears in my eyes, 
and I cried from there all the way one hour drive back to my office in West Akron. And as I got off the exit to turn onto the main road where my office was located, I looked straight ahead at a CVS pharmacy that was there. And there was an elderly black man sitting on the sidewalk, leaned up against the building. And I could tell by his look that he was homeless. And I got this amazing nudge from the Holy Spirit that I should pull off the road and talk to him. And so I did. And I went over to him and I said, are you okay? And he said, no. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, I have a heart condition and I have a prescription that's keeping me alive and my prescription ran out and I don't have the money to get it refilled. And I've talked to a number of people and I don't have any family or friends and I've been here since 9 a.m. begging for money and nobody has helped me. And I said, do you have the prescription with you? And he said, yes, I do. And he showed it to me and I took him inside Deacon Tom and I paid for his prescription. It was $38, the exact amount that I paid for my $93,000 hepatitis C cure because I had insurance, because I had a job, because I had the the best doctor in the country, because I had the support of a loving wife. I was cured of this disease. And because this man was homeless and had no job and had no health insurance and had no family to support him, his life was in jeopardy for the same $38. You know, God not only gave me a cure, but he taught me a lesson. And since that time, I've worked with the homeless and the helpless and the unborn and the unwanted and the incarcerated and the addicted because I see the face of Jesus in everyone I meet, just like my hero, same Mother Teresa said. Praise God. Praise God. Gosh, uh, Tony, uh, we could go on with part two, part three, and part four of uh, our time with you because it's just such a gift to be with you. Um, you had mentioned the possibility that we might be able to gain access to some of your programs, and uh, we'll have to take that up offline. But, uh, dear listeners, on uh, our local radio station, uh, uh, maybe you might help us by praying about this. We'll see if we can uh, make some arrangement to have that happen. And, and then uh, I can talk with Tony offline about maybe using some of his podcast five-minute programs and bringing them on to Catholic Vitamins, which will get them on the World Wide Web, web and our radio station. So, uh, gosh, what a, what a gift this time has been with you, Tony. Um, let's get your connectivity information. Where can people find your books and uh, schedule and things like that? Well, my, my books are available everywhere at Barnes & Noble and, and Amazon and so forth. But if you go to my website, my website is TonyAgnesi.com, T-O-N-Y-A-G-N-E-S-I.com. And you click on the books there. If you order the books through my website for the listeners of, of uh, your show, uh, Deacon Tom, if they use the promo code FRIENDS, you can take 20% off their order. We'll give them free shipping, and I'll personally sign every book that they purchase. All of my uh, blog uh, posts over many, many years are there. All of my podcasts and radio shows uh, can be found there at TonyAgnesi.com. All right. And, and the uh, promo code is FRIENDS? FRIENDS, the word FRIENDS, right. All right. And... And uh, anybody that goes there, use the promo code, friends, whether they buy one book or all three or two or however they do it, uh, it'll take 20% off the order, and it'll be free shipping, and I will personally sign each copy. 
Well, thank you very much for the gift of your time on Catholic Vitamins. And uh, I uh, say this often, I guess our listeners are probably tired of me saying this because it sounds a little bit wrote, but we will keep you in our prayers and uh, hope that your ministry, ministry continues to grow. God bless you, Tom. I, I, it was my pleasure being with you. Uh, as I told you, anytime I can talk about Jesus, uh, I'm there, and uh, I will keep your radio station and your program in our prayers, and you and, and, you and, and uh, your lovely wife, Dee, as well. It was so nice to have Maggie Craig and Tony Agnesi, two people that helped lift our spirits, help us to arise during uh, this holy season. Dee, thanks for being with us on Catholic Vitamins. And I want to thank everybody else for listening once again. We'll see you on our next show whenever God helps us to put one together. Bye. Bye.